0: Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Last year, Hurricane Harvey made landfall on Thursday, August 24th, devastating the city of Houston in the following days. On the one year anniversary of that storm, the Houston Chronicle published a set of articles about 41 individuals who helped others during the storm and recovery. They were selected from hundreds of nominations received from readers. The headline read, Heroes of Harvey, here are the everyday Houston heroes who gave us hope during the storm. There is story after story about people helping neighbors, friends, and strangers in the face of that calamity. I invite you this morning to reflect with me on how community service through volunteering can be a way to cultivate the instinct to help each other and by doing so, give us a way to build compassion and create resilient communities. Boston Cares is New England's largest volunteer agency and each fall they recognize a group of top volunteers at an award ceremony. In addition, Boston Cares interviews and posts video profiles of the award winners on YouTube. Watching the profiles of the winners from the past two years can can help give us hints about the role volunteerism plays in these people's lives and its impact on the Boston community. The stories of these six women and three men are inspiring and provide lessons for us as we think about volunteerism and its role in making a better society these days. We can listen to their comments and remarks at several levels. The first and most basic level is listening to them answer the question of why they volunteer. Their answers include things like, it was a great way for me to get oriented to the city when I first moved here and I was a little worried when I retired because I didn't have a hobby. I wasn't sure how I'd fill my time. Volunteering has given me like a part-time job. Some have had a lifelong habit of volunteering, something that they learned from their parents at an early age. Still others recognize that their commitment comes from a desire to pay forward the help that they've received from others during their lives. Dan Garrett, who is usually here weekly helping with the Friday night supper program, shared this as his main motivation. I had this realization that it was my duty as someone who has it good in life to use that time, to use the gift that I've been given of time to make life better for other people. We can also listen to their comments and understand the impact that volunteering has had on them at a deeper level. One said, it's really fulfilling. In general, our culture is very self-oriented and materialistic. It's very grounding to have the opportunity to observe and to help others. It really changed who I am. Volunteering is important to me because it gets me out of myself, and it opens my eyes to the world. Some develop a much deeper understanding of the issues and root causes underlying the social problems that various programs try to tackle, such as food insecurity. Farouk Mateen talks about the perspective that he gains by volunteering. He says, I whine a little less about my problems. I try to think about people who actually have a lot of disadvantages in their life and see their strength and take some strength from them by seeing how they are dealing with these things and I try to be a better person myself. Teresa Lamb volunteers at several programs around the city, and in her profile, she mentions what she enjoys about tutoring in an adult education program. It feels great when you help people succeed. They are able to change their lives through these programs. When you treat people with kindness and respect, you get that back. Melissa Meek helped formed a panel who sent letters to the elected officials in the communities where Boston Cares sends its volunteers. She explains why. I feel like Boston really became my home after I started volunteering. I wanted to communicate to our elected officials that our volunteers are really engaged citizens that care passionately about a wide range of issues. Watching these profiles, you you can sense each person's commitment to help and the deep fulfillment that they experience in being part of the Boston volunteer community. It brought to mind a quote from Brene Brown's, uh, brought to mind a quote from Brene Brown in her most recent book, Braving the Wilderness. True belonging is not something you negotiate externally. It's what you carry in your heart. It's finding the sacredness in being a part of something. Earlier this summer, I had a chance to have dinner with our own Sarah and Adria and hear about their experience with Friendship Works, another volunteer agency here in Boston. Friendship Works might be familiar to you through their Pet Pals program. Dogs and cats who are part of that program usually find their way here in early October when we hold our Blessing of the Animals ceremony. Friendship Works' mission is aimed at helping older adults in Greater Boston. They do this through programs designed to reduce social isolation, enhance quality of life, and preserve the dignity of our older neighbors. In addition to Pet Pals, they have several other programs, including medical escorts, friendly helping for one-time assistance with a project or errand, such as maybe grocery shopping or picking up uh, prescriptions at the pharmacy, and a couple programs that that incorporate the arts, music works, and relaxing through the arts. Their largest program is called Friendly Visiting, and that's the one that Sarah and Audrea volunteer for. They visit regularly with a woman who lives at a nursing home in a nearby neighborhood. Elder isolation and loneliness aren't something we usually think about as a social justice issue, but maybe we should. We've almost come to take as a given that our elders live separate and apart from the rest of us. This is the second time that Sarah has volunteered with this program. She used to visit. She used to visit with another woman who lived in East Boston. We'll call her Catherine. She visited with Catherine for five years until she passed away this past fall. Sarah shared that this woman was very conservative and had a background different than either Sarah or Audrea. Through the hours they spent together, Sarah was able to listen with an open heart and understand a point of view different from her own. Even though they might not agree with each other, Sarah came to understand, appreciate, and love Catherine. Listening to Sarah describe her friendship with Catherine brought to mind another idea shared by Brene Brown on the TED.com website. She shared this in an article there. She writes, we're going to need to intentionally be with people who are different from us. We're going to have to sign up, join, and take a seat at the table We're going to have to learn how to listen, have hard conversations, look for joy, share pain, and be more curious than defensive, all while seeking moments of togetherness. Sophia Lyon Fahs was a religious activist who led a revolution in Unitarian religious education. In 1960, she delivered a speech at the Friends General Conference, the annual gathering of Quakers. In that speech, one point she made was about her hope that scientists and psychologists would share insights that would challenge how religious societies taught and motivated ethical behavior. If she were alive today, I have a feeling she would be thrilled to see how, she would be thrilled to hear how many of us share TED Talks with each other in the hopes of learning how to lead better lives. In that spirit, I would like to share with you some thoughts on altruism developed by Abigail Marsh. Professor Marsh is a psychology researcher at Georgetown and has explored the human capacity to care for others. In her TED talk from 2016, she explains why some people have more capacity for caring than others. Her work has shown that there is actually a, a physiological reason for what we might think of as a continuum of caring. By brain imaging of people at either extreme, she found that a portion of the brain, called the amygdala, was centrally involved. For the group at the high end of the caring continuum, she selected subjects from the 2,000 people in the United States who have donated one of their kidneys to a total stranger. From from doing brain imaging on these subjects, she found that they had three traits in common, all related to the amygdala. They are better able to recognize others' fear and distress through facial expressions, Their amygdala were hyper-reactive to others' fear. And and finally, their amygdala was larger than average. The brain imaging results are fascinating, but it was through her interviews with these extraordinary altruists that she started to find the lessons that we can all apply to our daily lives. She explains, What makes extraordinary altruists so different is not that they're more compassionate than average. They are. But what's even more unusual about them is that they're compassionate and altruistic not just towards people who are in their innermost circle of friends and family. Because to have compassion for people that you love and identify with is not extraordinary. Truly extraordinary altruist compassion extends way beyond that circle, even beyond their wider circle of acquaintances, to people who are outside their social circle altogether, total strangers. In her interviews, she asks them the following question. What is it that makes you so special? She explains some of their answers. They say nothing. There's nothing special about me. I'm just like everybody else. She continues. And I think that's actually a really telling answer because it suggests that the circles of these altruists are different in that they don't have a center. These altruists literally don't think of themselves as being at the center of anything, as being better or more inherently important than anybody else. When I asked one altruist why donating her kidney made sense to her, she said, because it's not about me. Another said, I'm not different. I'm not unique. Your study here is gonna find out that I'm just the same as you. She goes on, the best description of this lack of self-centeredness is humility. If there's no center of your circle, there can be no inner rings or outer rings. Nobody who is more or less worthy of your care and compassion than anybody else. And I think this is what really distinguishes extraordinary altruists from the average person. But I also think that this is a view of the world that is attainable by many, and maybe even most people. While some people do seem to be inherently more sensitive to the suffering of distant others, I really believe that the ability to remove oneself from the center of the circle and expand the circle of compassion outward to include even strangers is within reach of almost everyone. Other TED Talks on empathy and compassion have similar conclusions. The more social scientists look at things, the clearer picture emerges that we're built to help. Sarah said that volunteering and helping just feels good. She's right. (laughs) Whether you call it your moral compass, your core ethical values, your wellspring of life and love, whatever you call it, when you align your actions with that part of your being, you cannot help but be changed. This is a very old lesson. Service is its own reward, and it's in the doing. It's the very act of helping that you feel the reward. It can lead to a greater sense of purpose. It can lead to better relationships throughout your life. It can lead to just feeling more at home wherever you go. Now more than ever, it's through volunteering in service that we can realize that these are not dark times. These are awakening times when we can encourage each other to get more engaged, the ties we build in our communities are exactly what we need now for resilience against any ridiculous and brutal forces trying to tear us apart. I'd like to close with some words from Bill Duncan, who is one of the Boston Cares volunteers recognized last year. He views volunteering as his spiritual practice a form of SIVA, the Sanskrit word that means selfless service. Bill has been a longtime volunteer at Friday Night Supper Program, and after the Boston Marathon bombing in 2013, he expanded his volunteer practice to include the Red Cross. He actually helped manage an emergency shelter after Hurricane Harvey. He says, some of the recent problems that we've had, there's just story after story about, this is what people did to help. I can be a part of that story, and you can be a part of that story. I like being a part of that story. My spiritual companions, let's find true belonging by being a part of something. Let's learn how to listen, look for joy, and be more curious. Let's expand the circle of compassion outward to include even strangers. And let's be a part of that story. Amen, and blessed be. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ascboston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.